are listening to Historically, a show where we decolonize history and debunk myths and misinformation taught to you in school and on corporate media. I'm your host, Esha. Today, we have Bob White from the Robin Hood Society to talk to us about the legend of Robin Hood, a little bit of history of Nottingham, and the legacy of a folk hero who stole from the rich and gave to the poor. So tell us a little bit about yourself and the Robin Hood Society uh, just to like introduce people about what it is and what it does. Yeah, sure. Well, I've been in PR and marketing for most of my sort of career. I am Nottingham born and bred here in uh, England. So consequently, I'm familiar with the Robin Hood story, although in my early days, like anybody else, I knew the childhood story, but I didn't really have a a great interest in it too much. But I went to work for Nottingham City Council as their PR marketing and tourism person. And it suddenly became apparent that Robin Hood was much wider known around the world than uh, I'd imagined, even though obviously we knew it was an international legend. And then, of course, along came the Internet. A local businessman or someone who'd just come from Hull, he approached me just as I was retiring from work and said he was thinking of setting up an internet-based society about Robin Hood and would I help out? I said I would and I'll be perfectly honest with you. (laughs) I thought the internet would last about six months and the society would last about probably two years later. Uh, What do I know? And so the society set itself up. It started like an ordinary subscription society where people joined for a few pounds or or whatever. But the interest mainly from my point of view and the other three guys who were involved and also the increased, I suppose, expectations of the media uh, made us realise that we didn't have the resources to be able to handle everyone coming in on it. So we just concentrated on media inquiries and inquiries from film companies and television and, and interested academics. And that's really where we are. And Every four or five years, amazingly enough, something happens uh, <laughs> similar, but not quite the same as what's just happened with the Robin Hood mix up. And, you know, we suddenly get drawn into a, an international issue. But it's all great for us because, of course, loads of people have come on who were obviously expressing their anger at the uh, stock trading app. And at the end of the day, They came through to us and we just jumped on and said to people, look, we, uh, you know, don't waste your time. We're not the stock trading (laughs) app. Just pointing them in. When they realised what we were, they uh, they've sort of you know joined up, if you like. Although to say it's not it's not a subscription base, and uh, it's it's just it's keep going, it keeps going on. I mean, you saw probably from the news reports, we went from a few hundred Twitter followers to over sixty five thousand at the mm. moment and rising. Congratulations. Okay, so now because you're from Nottingham. Can you talk a little bit about, like, so there have been many versions of the legend, 
But what is the version that like you uh, grew up with with regards to Robin Hood himself? Well, basically, Robin Hood was somebody who reputedly, because, I mean, there's, there's nothing at all to be able to back this up historically or anything else. He was uh, a person who had had lands in the area. So he, he was a little bit of the nobility. Um, he went to fight for the Crusades, or that's one of the story, came back and Prince John and the Sheriff of Nottingham had stolen his lands. Um, he had no claim to them. Consequently, he was outlawed and he went to live in Sherwood Forest. And from there, as the story goes, he would rob the rich to help out all the poor people who were being uh, persecuted by the, the current sort of issues of the time. And the Sheriff of Nottingham was, of course, his, uh, his age-old enemy. So that, that's really it in a way. And people have latched on to that over the years. I mean, the story's been going probably 800 years. Everyone likes the fact that it's got a lot of nice content. I mean, a lot of swashbuckling adventure, uh, the romance with the Maid Marian's side. And the thing that people seem to remember most of all, the fact that he was supposedly uh, robbing the rich to help the poor. So he was somebody who uh, stood up for social justice. And of course, that, that still stands today. I mean, our Twitter account was loaned for about five years before we really started to use it recently um, to the Oxfam charity because they were running and still are a Robin Hood tax campaign, which is involves the banks, means that every time there's a transaction, there's a, a very small penny or whatever, and it runs with it. So I know that Nottingham has like a monument to Robin Hood and I guess I'm trying to understand, like, do you know how the legend started? Does anyone know like, who started it or why the legend started? No, not really. The oldest that the history will put it back at, and I say we're going back over 800 years and more, is that probably the character and the name Robin Hood came about through the old medieval stories that the minstrels and the troubadours told as they travelled from castle to castle and the villagers as well learnt some of the, the songs and the dances and those songs and dances came from traditional folklore and in traditional English folklore there was a character called the Green Man and he signifies, if you like, the changing of of the seasons and when he the dances are performed and the, the songs are then this is supposed to signify the spring uh, and the start of the new crops and and the fertility and all, all those sorts of things i'm sure you have similar sorts of, of folk tales over in america so that's the earliest it started and then, of course, as the troubadours went around telling their tales, um, they went around the same sort of castles. And when they came for the second time, obviously people didn't want to hear the same old story. They'd add a little bit. And then again, when they moved on. And, and so these stories got really quite extensive, uh, lots of things supposed to happen. And the first time it got recorded in print was in about the, the 1400s, 1300s. 
and one of the first things to be printed was something called The Jest of Robin Hood, and it's quite a lengthy poem, but there are different sort of stories within a story. That got picked up, and along the years, along the centuries, the story was told generation after generation with the advent of uh, radio, films, television, because the story was still a popular one and had great opportunities for production and that, it's continued. I mean, every two or three years, there's a new film or, or whatever comes along. And also someone's always interested in writing about Robin Hood. Uh, over the last few weeks, I've just reviewed three books, three new books about Robin Hood, two academic ones and one, uh, a novel called King Robin, which, you know, you might it might surprise everyone, but that's the interest still goes on. I think the most compelling part is the fact that he's kind of like takes over where the law cannot always give us relief for justice. And he's kind of giving vigilante justice. And that's probably the most compelling part. And so, so we're talking about early literature. And how has that? So first, it was only oral tradition, right? And and then yeah. eventually it got written down. Like, can you go over like the earliest written account of it and who wrote it or any, anything about that? Yeah, nobody really knows who wrote it initially. And the earliest record of any reference to Robin Hood comes in old, old book where there's just a simple mention that roughly translated is it's a, from a friar who is being chastised because he can't remember all the latin rhymes for the particular religious service that he that he uh, is doing but he can remember all the rhymes about robin hood and so it was obvious from that period of time that he was a character known and that he was a, a popular character because these rhymes seem to be known by everyone because the troubadours and minstrels traveling around uh, had been singing them all along the way. Who are the troubadours? And are we talking about 13th century England or 12th century England, just to clarify? We're talking 12th century England. It's very difficult because in hi English history, despite all, all the difficult Robin Hood was, there are a lot of historians who spent probably their lifetime trying to pin down who Robin Hood or the person who might have been Robin Hood was. And we have a list which we call the usual suspects. Um, it's got 25 and that's only just scratching the surface. There are different historians who say, this is Robin Hood, uh, this person's Robin Hood, etc. But there is no undisputed proof that any of those are right. It's all very plausible. It all sounds pretty good, but we can't do what was recently done a few years back over here. Richard III, who's a king, a, a real king from English history, his skeleton was discovered underneath a car park. What? That's very interesting. Okay, can you, uh, I think you cut out. So can you tell us about how Richard III's skeleton was discovered in a car park? Yeah, the 
University of Leicester, which is the city where Richard III uh, was discovered, were doing some excavations in an area where they thought in this car park there was an old church and and old gravestones and things. They, They weren't expecting any amazing discovery like this. And so they did find some graves uh, and they unearthed this particular one. And the thing that made them wonder was the fact that the, the spine of this skeleton was very specifically bent. And Richard III, if you can recall, is the king who had the hump back. And so they, they started doing some work. Um, they started being able to do things that they couldn't do years ago, which is, of course, take DNA from the uh, skeleton bones. The thing was, through an awful amount of research, they were able to actually trace a living relative of Richard III who lived in Canada. And they got some DNA, and it was, don't quote me on the exact thing, something like 96 or 98.% accurate so you know it's quite quite an amazing story that is but there's no way that Robin Hood um, will ever be able to be found because we don't have an actual king an actual Mm. figure if you like that we can point to and say that's the one so there's some early theory in that he he was just a legend it was often connected with Christianity and the Virgin Mary what was the religious aspect of Robin Hood from the early times, I guess? Not particularly so. In fact, in many ways, it, he was he had a dark side to him, or, or so the historians believe. Uh, being an outlaw, obviously, uh, he was aware of, of the rough side of life. Um, but by the same token, he also didn't necessarily think an awful lot of the religious order of the time because most of the uh, people who were in high religious office were also crooked and they were living the life of Riley if you like and uh, and they had wonderful sort of uh, palaces and the bishops and the archbishops etc and they had all the food and they collected the taxes on behalf of the king whilst a lot of the people who worked hard on the various lands and that were literally dirt poor so his thoughts of the um, the clergy were not so good, and of course he often robbed um, various people who, uh, well, they would be clergymen who were travelling through Sherwood Forest with possibly some gold or silver or, or ornaments or what have you for the church, uh, and of course he would steal it and he would sell it, and so the story goes he would distribute the proceeds to the poor. At first, it seems like there was a lot of songs about Robin Hood. When did it convert from like song and ballad to uh, different stories, I guess? Uh, Like, was that around Elizabethan time, maybe? 
Yeah, th- I mean, the stories had been around. I mean, there was a lot of storytelling, but it, I mean, basically, it started to get spread wider as soon as the printing presses came in. As soon as books started to be printed, one of the very early books, it, it was uh, this jest of Robin Hood. And of course, being one of the early ones, uh, not a lot of people could read, of course, at that stage, but as books progressed, as people's education improved, the story still resonated because of all the principles uh, and this justice hero, if you like, and they, they, they latched onto it. So it was, it was a very popular story. I mean, he is an icon of popular culture. Okay, so do you guys have the early books? Like, what's the earliest preserved book? And where can we see it uh, for people who are interested in the history, I guess? No, they, um, they are where in various libraries and under lock and key, and you can possibly um, get access to them if people are specifically researching uh, that sort of nature. Yeah, I'm afraid it's not something that is immediately available, but The Jest of Robin Hood has been published lots of times. You can get various versions of that in paperback, and you can also get, as I mentioned, loads and loads of books by different people. Can you please repeat the book you mentioned again? Yeah, The Jest of Robin Hood. That's spelt G-E-S-T of, and Robin is usually spelt O-R-B-Y-N, and the hood is spelt H-O-D-E. It's sort of old English type of uh, terminology. Ah, okay. Uh, And I've always wondered, like, how English spelling changed so much from old English. (laughs) Yeah, um... And um, well, there you are. That's that's one example. Uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, the I and the Y and the D and the O's, and that was the gist of Robin Hood was in uh, around 1400. Yeah, around 1400, which is when I mean, nobody can be absolutely precise but the the printing press sort of was delivered in, uh, was dis- not discovered invented in those times uh, and whenever the book was printed it was one of the early books i mean sometimes when we say book it's more like a, a pamphlet than a booklet with probably you know a poem or a rhyme or something like that i mean it took it took a while for really big thick heavy tomes to get produced and and the basic story is that Robin Hood refuses to have lunch until he finds a guest, right? Yeah. He's, he's seen as a people's champion, and he's still seen as a people's champion today. That's what everybody likes uh, about him. It's those sort of things which are an inspiration. I mean, you, you probably don't know, but um, because we've done a lot of research on this, the story of Robin Hood um, was a, a passionate inspiration with uh, people like uh, Steven Spielberg, uh, George Lucas, Stan Lee, who is the creator of all the Marvel comic characters that you know are in films now. As a young boy, um, he used to go and see the 1937 
1947 film, The Adventures of Robin Hood with Errol Flynn, time after time after time. And it's the principles and things that he liked about that that he used in his avenging comic characters that, that he'd use now. All sorts of people, Barack Obama views them in his speeches, um, authors like John Steinbeck. It, 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 People really find him inspiring, and he's he's just a role a role model in 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 a specific way. Um, and it's not just, of course, in to English. In fact, around the world is where people seem to still like the Robin Hood story and its connection with the fight for justice. I guess in your website you also mentioned that for many years later there were alleged ghostly sightings of Robin Hood throughout the years. Um, can you talk a little bit about who claimed it dead and like what was what was there a typical sighting? Yeah, it it was a bit of a uh, I mean, it is mentioned on the website because it's relevant, but I, ha I have to admit, Esha, that um, it's the website at one time in the very early days got infiltrated by um, a very strange group who were interested into vampires and zombies. And they also used to gather, I understand, around one of the grave sites where Robin Hood is reputed to be buried um, in Kirkley's Priory, which is where he actually died, um, where he fired his last arrow in the story and said to little John, bury me wherever this arrow falls. And so, and there were supposed to be sightings of, of Robin Hood there um, it, it was all a bit uh, a bit iffy there was no real proof and uh, we had to pull these people off our website because basically we had a chat forum then and they were um, they were a strange bunch yeah? I mean you know anyone can have their own ideas but people who were generally interested at that stage they were being put off by the sort of posts and things that were appearing in the chat forum. So we pulled the plug on that. But there are a couple of accounts of people supposedly seeing a strange figure up near gravesite. Um, but, I mean, not, nothing specific. And we also have to remember that the gravesite, even though it's considered to be one of the most likely, because there are seven grave sites or reputed grave sites. Um, in, uh, it, I can't remember what the, the actual year was, but uh, probably in the 1800s, I think it was, where there was a stone that said, underneath this stone lies the body of Robin Hood. Um, they dug the stone up just to be able to see, and there was absolutely nothing under it. Um, so... You know, another example of not being able to prove that Robin Hood actually existed. Yeah, I think this, for me at least, philosophically, it doesn't matter anymore. It's more about like how the story changed over the years. And yeah. And you also have a book called uh, Legend Legacy of the Folk Hero, right? Yeah. Uh, it's, 
I suppose it's not a not a normal book that people might think, oh, you know, Robin Hood, because we're in all things Robin Hood and we're interested in lots of facts and anecdotes and that. That's exactly what the uh, the book contains, all in different um, chapters that relate to certain things and how they are. The website, as you, you've probably seen, you've been we've had to break it down into 22 different sections. Basically, as I say, it it's, uh, deals with all sorts of things that have a connection with Robin Hood. The obvious things like the films and the music and the story and the history. It kicks off with... Uh, 50 facts about Robin Hood uh, that to put people in the picture as to the good things, the bad things, and when things can't be proved, why it's impossible, those sorts of bits of information. And then it goes on to talk about Robin Hood in literature, in history, his ties with... Uh, okay, so there are 50 facts. Um, uh, I, I just actually, it's kind of funny... Um, I was looking at it last night. Let me just look through the the facts to see if there's anything that we haven't discussed that's really cool. And there's lots of interesting bits, you know. I mean, you, you may not know that when the first Robin Hood film, the black and white silent film by um, with Douglas Fairbanks starring in it, at the premiere, uh, he went up on the top of the roof with uh, all the press photographers they were all saying to him and there's pictures of him sort of standing on the, the uh, side or uh, leaning over the side of the uh, skyscraper or, or tall building and with the bow and arrow firing it or making out he was firing it into the air uh, and after they take the pictures just for a bit of devilment he uh, let go the arrow and uh, the story goes that uh, it flew across two or three streets, went in through a loft window where a tailor was sewing on some buttonholes. Um, by all accounts, it, it went into this tailor's backside. Um, he ran out yelping into the street. A policeman came to his aid. And to cut a long story short, it cost... Um, Douglas Fairbanks $5,000 in compensation to keep the story quiet. That is very interesting. Um, well, okay, so there's another one that is we haven't talked about. Apparently, the real, sh- like in the 1960s, the real sheriff of Nottingham offered an official pardon. <laughs> A pardon, yes. That's right. Uh, one thing you may not know, uh, and that is that the the city of Nottingham, who I say I, I worked for for 25 years of that, they have on their council, they do appoint each year a new sheriff of Nottingham. It is an actual historical role that is still active today. And when we were promoting tourism, and, and they still use it now, obviously the, the fact that we have a real sheriff is a real plus when it comes to promoting the, the city abroad. And, you know, the Americans in particular, we have sent various sheriffs across to America at different times, uh, and he's always treated like royalty because, uh, you know, people think, wow, is this the real sheriff of Nottingham? And, and so, yes, that's, uh, that's, that very much is a, a role, a true role today. I had no idea. And, 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 and it's been going on since. Uh, I, that's very interesting. 
it goes back to the oldest records that the city have, and these are proper historical records, will go back to about the early 1100s. So the sheriff there, if you like, would be within the time span that they say that Robin Hood actually existed. But I mean, there, there is a complete list of sheriffs of Nottingham from about the 1100s onwards up to the present day. And an, a new sheriff is elected by the council, by the members of the council. It, it's, it's not elected by the ordinary people. And so they have that role and uh, it's hotly contested because, of course, um, they like the fact that they can be the sheriff of Nottingham. People's sort of jaws drop when they say, oh, I'm the sheriff of Nottingham. <laughs> Looking for a hot stock pick? Go to historically.substack.com and buy, buy, buy. Go short on other subscriptions and go long on history with our podcast, newsletter, and now Twitch stream. Okay, confession time. I have no idea how stocks or stonks work, but you can explain it to me like a Reddit poster by subscribing and polluting our comments section with hot picks and an explanation of fiat currency if you'd like. That's historically.substack.com. Since we're talking about Nottingham, Besides Robin Hood, what are other things that might be interesting for people who love history that you've come across in your experience working for the city? Yes, the city, there's not a lot that you can actually attribute to Robin Hood immediately in the city, which is why way back in about the uh, local businessman erected the statue of Robin Hood uh, in the shadow of the castle wall. There is Nottingham Castle, but I'm afraid history has destroyed it, knocked it down, rebuilt it over the years. So it doesn't bear any resemblance to the castles that you see in the Robin Hood films or things like that. But people still like to come here and visit it. And currently, the castle is being renovated. It's been closed for nearly two years now, and it's hoped that it will be open in March, although obviously the coronavirus has a bit of an impact. But uh, a lot of restoration work and new things are being put in there. And particularly, there's going to be a lot more interactive work about Robin Hood, which the visitors will really enjoy, because however true all the real history about Nottingham is, people tend to come to Nottingham because of its Robin Hood connection. But we do have other people that we're famous for. Lord Byron, the poet in Newstead Abbey, which is just to the north of the city, and also the writer D.H. Lawrence, who wrote Lady Chatterley's Lover and various other of the uh, of those books and, and novels. Uh, he's from a, a local area. So, and, it, and it's a very thriving business area. Lots of connections with people like the Boots Company and Players, which was a tobacco company, not so strong these days telecoms, all those sorts of things. And bikes, of course, rally bikes, they kept, they are and were made in, uh, in Nottingham. Uh, and, uh, of course, you know, they've been ridden all over the world in sporting as well as for domestic use. I had no idea. <laughs> so, uh, okay, rally bikes. Um, 
that's very interesting. And I know that each English town has its own character and it's so different from one another. So in the Industrial Revolution, like did Nottingham change much during the Industrial Revolution? Like like in Manchester, like it became very polluted. The river was like all uh, dirty. Like was there something like that that happened in uh, Nottingham or? Yes, they, um, they, we had a, a group of, uh, I suppose, revolutionaries called the Luddites who smashed up all the hosiery because the area is well known or was for a lot of textiles and hosiery work. As soon as machines came in to do quite a bit of this work, the workers revolted and smashed all the things up and, and burnt them and the old castle, the, one of the castles where it stands now was literally sort of the insides were burnt out by the mob who went up there and set it all on fire. So, yes, we had our share of uh, industrial revolution. So, oh, OK, so the, they made hosiery inside of Nottingham. And that's very interesting. What year was that? In 1700s or 1800s around? The 70s, about whenever the Industrial Revolution was. Sometimes between 17 and 1800s then. Yeah, it's between 17 and 18, you know, precisely when. But to say they burnt the castle and because the castle then fell into ruins, the local people also used a lot of the stone to help build and repair their own houses. Uh, and there are a few houses around mm -hmm. now which the uh, historians can show you where bits from the castle, only an odd stone or two, have been incorporated in uh, in some older building that's been had to be repaired or has been subsequently built. So they actually brought the stone over from the original castle to incorporate? That's very interesting. <laughs> yes, because the, the castle was, I don't know whether that fortunate, but or whether it's that unusual, but the castle stands on uh, a mound or a hill very close to the centre of the city where the mar the old marketplace used to be and there's still an open area which is a marketplace uh, and so it's very easy for the um, the villagers or the townspeople to be able to have put some of this stone in a cart and, and moved it off to where, where they required it. Oh wow so the castle was like repeatedly like kind of burnt down vandalized and so that's why they had to like renovate it from the yeah, it was burnt down badly on this particular occasion, and, and for many years it lay as a ruin, which is why the, the, the stone was taken. But then in the 1800s, late 1800s, when Queen Victoria was on the throne, it was decided to restore it, rebuild it, if you like, as a grand Italian mansion, because that's what it looks like now, not, not a castle, it looks more like a mansion. Uh, and that became a art and uh, museum, art, an art gallery and museum, one of the first ones outside London. And that still exists today, and that's one of the areas in the castle which is being renovated and, and redone. Wow, that's amazing. Before we go, is there anything interesting about either Robin Hood or Nottingham or your organization that you want to tell our audience? Any recommendations, books, or like just anything that we haven't covered? 
Well, it, it's a it's a big subject, uh, Isha, um, but um, I'll just tell you a, a couple of things that uh, I thought were interesting uh, and maybe have a, an American connection as well. When we were doing a promotion to the tourism industry about Nottingham, we were trying to get a lot of the coach tours and the visiting people coming in to stop off at Nottingham as part of, of their itinerary. Um, we did a promotion to the travel trade down in London in a hotel, a big hotel. And uh, we did a, a proper presentation at the time. I mean, obviously, it was before all the flash presentation we get nowadays. But we had slides which we were able to show and we were able to introduce people. And we took the Sheriff of Nottingham of the, at the time down. And we also had some little plastic pens made that were in the shape of an arrow, just these cheap promotional pens that you you get all over the place now but they, they were like a, a silver or a gold arrow and they had a biro inside and so you could write them and after each of the presentations to the journalists and to the travel trade we would give them one of these along with the, the pack of all the goodies and, and the information and when it was all over these journalists went downstairs in the uh, hotel and while they were at the bar, they must have got talking to uh, some American servicemen who were down there because we were in the middle of packing up and all of a sudden three or four servicemen came in, obviously with, with all the regalia and the buttons and the stripes and, and that, and said that they had been sent up by a general to uh, acquire one of these pens which they had seen because he understood that the Sheriff of Nottingham was giving them away. <laughs> well, we'd only got a couple left, so we get, I gave one to them, and uh, they said, thank you very much, sir, and, uh, and took it back. And I never thought anything more about it. But it turns out that these soldiers were on a very special conference that was taking place in London about NATO, and they were from the Pentagon. And about four or five weeks after this had taken place, uh, I got a letter and it was from this general who I had never actually met because these guys had been sent up. And he said that he had taken this pen, which he was really thankful for and he was going on about it. And he had put it on display at the back of his desk in the Pentagon, and there was a photograph of this arrow pen placed on a little board with a little plaque underneath that said this had been given by the Sheriff of Nottingham and blah, 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 blah. Uh, and he went on to say, this is a marvellous talking point. He said, all the people in the Pentagon want to come and have a look at this. And I mean, I'm... <laughs> It just seemed amazing. Here was this plastic pen and it was been mounted up a really expensive way and was a talking point in the Pentagon. That is very funny. Um, By the way, your book is incredibly detailed. So I would recommend everyone to get um, Robin Hood, The Legacy of um, a Folk Hero. Are you yeah. working on any other books in the future? Well, there's there's two books that are are coming out in the next 
they're probably out now. I'm just about to issue a press release, so I can send you some details on that. But the ones to, that have just come out that I mentioned that I'd reviewed over Christmas, one is called Robin Hood, and it's by a guy called Thor Ewing. And that looks at uh, how Robin Hood and in the ballads fits in. There's there's another one which talks about Robin Hood being somebody who came from Yorkshire. And we won't go into that because it's a long and complex story. But this is a book. But the other book which seems to have attracted some interest is one that is called King Robin by somebody called Robert A. Moss. Uh, and that is a a novel, and I understand from uh, the publishers and the author that it's already had a lot of interest from the people who buy books for possible use as cinema scripts, etc., because they see it as having potential uh, as sort of thing similar to say Game of Thrones or, or something of that nature so who knows but I've read it and reviewed it it's a very interesting story it's fictitious of course but uh, it's well worth reading um, but if you want a lot of facts and the things that like I've spoke about today that's what my book's about it gives you lots of facts and anecdotes and people say wow you know and I never knew that I love so, it good <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it was wonderful. Um, I usually I take days, but with your book, I just read it in like a few hours. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, yes, it's not a not a long book, and you can pick it up and you can put it down. But you know, there there are lots of things, and you think, well, oh, crumb, you know, how fancy that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I could not remember. Like, there's so much, it's so much details that I couldn't remember everything to ask you. But um, it was fantastic. So, thank you so much for this interview. And if you, anytime you guys have anything new or interesting, feel free to come back because it had been, it, it has been a very wonderful, interesting time for us. And we'd love to interview the authors you mentioned too, because. Uh, uh, that's what we we're here for. Like yes, they'll have their they'll have their own uh, their own idea. So yes, yeah, so we're basking in the sunshine at the moment because we were on the front page of the Wall Street Journal yesterday, and of course we were in Rolling Stone last week. So we're really getting the uh, the full treatment of the American media. We were on tonight in America. Um, <laughs> Or today in today in America, isn't it? Whatever it's called. Is that the so, show? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's been great the today for show. Us. Yes, yes, yes. It, 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 uh, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. It's a a three hour morning show. It's kind of like the one that you guys have with Pierce Morgan. Yeah, I, I forgot what is the name of yeah. your show. It's the same show. So it's this this story has really caught on, um, and of course, it wasn't something that we bargained for. We didn't go out looking for it, but this mix-up with the Robin Hood app has has really uh, really done us good. Oh yeah, and it's time that people. I, I love it when like people go back to history because there's so much to even with uh, like legends and myths and uh, like there's still so much to learn. To me, with any old culture, like in England, even because it's been around us much longer than America, there's so much wisdom within the old stories that we don't have, in my opinion. <laughs> no, 
No, but and I mean also because we can't prove Robin Hood or that that and it's a mystery and everybody likes a mystery because everyone likes to be able to contribute to it and say oh I think this and I think that and keeps it running on in whatever form it might take. Yep. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll put a link to Bob White's book, um, Leg- Legacy of a Legend of a Folk Legacy of a Folk Hero. Yeah, Robin Hood, the legacy of the folk hero. Yep, and thank you so much for coming and joining us. It was great. It was a fantastically informative interview. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Thanks for the chance of you know being able to join you and uh, and speak to all your your followers and people. Okay, thank you very much. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much. Music for this show is done by Rectech. You can find him on SoundCloud and on Spotify. W-R-E-C-K-T-E-C-H. And thank you for listening to our show.